Yes, yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Questions I ask myself. Table fam, how we feeling? Yeah. Hey, if we have not had a chance to meet, my name is Isaac, and I'm one of the pastors here at First Orlando, and I help bring leadership um, along with Dana and Brent and others here to our table experience. And man, I'm just so glad you're here. Um, at the table, we call it a banquet for the broken. So if you came in and you have like um, just had a, uh, not a great day at all, and you're like kind of like trudging in here, and then maybe even like sat in your car, um, and are now like just walking in because like finally nobody will talk to me when I'm coming in now. Hey, look, we're all coming from different places, and we're just so glad you're here, um, and I'm really excited um, just to be able to hang out with you guys tonight. Um, so we've been going through the Gospel of John over this whole summer, and to set us up today, um, something that some of you may know about me is I am um, fully Hispanic, right, fully Hispanic, but I'm half Puerto Rican, and I'm half Mexican, right? So my mom is Puerto Rican. Any Puerto Ricans in the room? Okay, I was expecting a little more, honestly, from the Puerto Ricans, what he was. It's fine, it's fine. Um, and we probably don't have any Mexicans. Do we? Yeah? Yeah, okay, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Half of me cheers along with you. Yeah. Uh, so, I, so my mom, um, so some of you may know the story, is that my mom kind of had a traumatic experience in Puerto Rico. So her, um, truly, um, there was a, some gang members going to her house and had a really traumatic experience. Her family had to come in exile, like from Puerto Rico. The Puerto Rican government told my mother and her family it was no longer safe for them to be in Puerto Rico. So she moves um, to Texas, and her family moved to Texas, where literally the next day when she gets there, um, she meets my dad. Right? And um, so my mom grew up in church as the daughter of like this traveling evangelist. And my dad also was a son of a pastor. So they had like the church kid, pastor's kid kind of thing in common. Um, so they meet. And uh, my mom, you know, she's brand new from Puerto Rico. She's 16, uh, meets my dad, who's also 16. And the very first thing that he asks her is, Hey, do you speak English? And she's like, no, vamonos, Josie. And she's like, like, let's go. Her friend Josie, who was also there with her, and they leave, right? My dad, though, he's undeterred, right? He's like, I'm going let, to, let's see, let's see. We can, let's not be weird, but let's just see what we can do here. So my mom was going to enroll at Alvin High School, which is the town, or the high school of the town where they grew up. Um, and at Alvin High School, he goes to the counselor's office the next day and says, hey, look, um, there's going to be this girl that's going to enroll here, um, doesn't speak any English, but look, um, I'd be happy to be her translator. So if you just put her in all of my classes, um, I will translate for her, right? And the counselor says, wow, Benjamin, it's my dad's name. Wow, Benjamin, that's so sweet of you. He's like, you know what? We're just all doing our part. We're just doing, doing what we can do. Smooth, smooth. So sure enough, my mom enrolls in all the classes of that, my, that my dad had. So they end up forming this really cool friendship. They went to the same church, had a really cool friendship. Um, they start dating uh, just a few months later. Um, and eventually they have like this like really, it could be a movie. Well, my mom's whole story could be a movie, but even their relationship could be like the sequel to the movie. Um, to where then she has like this experience where she goes off to San Antonio in Texas, to Bible college, and he goes as a missionary to Venezuela. And they're like, are we going to be together? We don't know. Uh, and they do end up together and they get married. Married, um, at 23. So I remember being in high school and I heard the story all the time, right? And I remember thinking, wow, that was my parents' story. My parents' story was that they met at 16 and they were married at 23. 
And now my parents didn't necessarily put any pressure on like timeline, although there was like that regular Hispanic pressure to be married. I think we all feel that. Um, but there was no like pressure on timeline, but just growing up, that was kind of my expectation was that, okay, well, is that my story? So I get to 16, and um, I remember my parents being, we were at my grandmother's house, and my parents were kind of reassuring their story, and everyone's laughing, right, about their story of how they got together. And I remember being in a bedroom by myself just mad and upset because that wasn't my story. It's like, where's my true love at 16? So then I'm like, okay, let's recalibrate. That was a bit extreme. Um, let's recalibrate. Let's come up with a new game plan here. Okay, I'm, I'm going off to college. College, that's the spot. That's where I'm going to find somebody. Um, so I get to college, and my plan was, okay, here's my plan. Freshman year, I'm going to meet somebody. Um, but we won't start dating immediately because that's way too soon. I want to be friends first. So we'll start dating freshman year. Sophomore year, maybe we'll start dating. Eventually, we'll get engaged after college, and we'll be married at 24. Okay, that sounds like a good plan, right? So freshman year, I go, and crickets. <laughs> so I get to my sophomore year, and now I'm having to, like, recalibrate my plan. Okay, this isn't working. Um, okay, let's recalibrate. Okay, we good? New plan? Okay, set, let's go. Sophomore year, nothing. Right? I finish college, nothing. I get to my early 20s, nothing. My, my mid-20s, I get to my late 20s. I'm at the age of 29 where my mom had her second child, me, and I'm single. And I'm like, this is very different than where I thought my life was going, right? I had this expectation using the context of relationships, this expectation that, I, that my, my relationship journey would be a lot different than what it actually ended up being. And something that my parents always told me is this. It'll be on your screens here. It, um, unmet expectations leaves us disappointed, which leads to frustration. My parents told me this all the time. Unmet expectations leaves us disappointed which leads to frustration. So for me, um, yes, there's relationships, but I started knowing, noticing unmet expectations in a lot of areas of my life, right? If you've been hanging out here at the table, I've shared before my, my career journey and unmet expectations. There were other like, skills that I was trying to learn and unmet expectations, like this idea of things that we want, that we kind of expect, and then it not happening, it leads us to be, be sad and disappointed, which eventually leads to frustration and anger, right? And maybe for some, it's like, I don't feel sad. I just get angry <laughs> immediately, right? When things don't happen the way that I want them to, just angry. So um, I know for a lot of us, one of my favorite questions to ask as we're, as we're processing kind of a, a new life experience, whether it be a new job, just a new, uh, maybe even an event that you're going to, um, my favorite thing to ask is, hey, what are you expecting? And oftentimes the response that I receive back is, oh, I'm not expecting anything with that show that I'm going to, with a movie that I'm watching, with that event that I'm going to, with that friend hangout that I'm going to, with this relationship, um, with this job, um, with this meetup. I'm not really expecting anything. This trip that I'm going on. And you know what I think? I, I don't always say this out loud. Sometimes I do. Most of the time I do. You know what I think, though? Liars! <laughs> You're lying! Why? Because we are at least, maybe not liar, maybe I shout, unaware! Right? Because we all have expectations about everything. You came to the table, and maybe it's not your first time at the table, and you know when I come to the table, I'm, there's going to be that countdown video of set the table. Now, now, it's time to set the table. And some of you come so late every week, you never hear that song. 
So then you know it's about, um, it's about you know, three, maybe four songs, 7.30. Then you get here, and about 7.25, 7.30, you, um, now you know, we have you know, Britt and Dana most weeks that are here telling you know, what's going on. You know me or someone else is coming up after this. You know if we're not, I know that you know that if I'm not done by like 8.10, you're like, Isaac, come on, bro. Let's hurry it up. Why? Because we have expectations, right? And if I go for an hour... Um, it's going to lead to disappointment, which is going to lead to frustration. I know this. I'm trying not to go, like, preach for an hour. I, I, I know this. My, my point is, is that unmet expectations um, le- leaves us disappointed, which leads to frustration. All right, so we're going to read a story um, about a family who had unmet expectations and how they dealt with it. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 11. We're reading about family. Um, here you go. So we'll start in verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. Okay, so we're introduced to three people, Lazarus, uh, Mary, and Martha. Okay, verse 2. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wipes his feet um, with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. Okay, so this story actually hasn't happened yet. He's foreshadowing what's going to happen in chapter 12. So Mary has not, like, wiped Jesus' feet with her hair. I'll keep going. Verse 3. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord... He whom you love is ill, right? So context. So they're basically saying, hey, Jesus, there's a guy you love named Lazarus, and this guy named Lazarus, Lazarus is sick. Um, uh, he's also our brother. So verse 4, when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death, for it is the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Right? So Jesus here is setting up this idea, which is kind of fundamental to really understanding the story, which is the glory of God. And what is the glory of God? Glory of God is kind of hard to explain, but also kind of not. But I think the simplest way to think about it is just think about, like, God just being amazing. God being incredible. God being, like, the most amazing thing ever in the universe, always, all the time. And whenever you see a volcano eruption and the power that's from a volcano eruption, it's a picture of the glory of God. When you see, like, an ocean wave just crashing, just that's just powerful, and you stand in awe. Have you ever, um, anybody been to the Grand Canyon? Okay, a few. And you just stand at the edge, and you're like, whoa, whoa. Right? And if you've never been to the Grand Canyon, you see a picture, it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. Is that a hole? But like, if you like, actually go to the Grand Canyon, it's like, whoa, this is it's breathtaking. And that pales in comparison to trying to explain the glory of God and the magnitude. So we'll keep reading verse 5. Now, Jesus loved Martha and his, her sister. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill... He stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Wait, hold up. What? What? Wait. He, so here we see Jesus loved Mary and Martha and her sister Lazarus. So now you have this sibling trio of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Um, Jesus knows. He was told that Lazarus is sick, that Lazarus is ill. And he loves them. So because he loves them, as it says in the text, he stayed two days longer. Isn't that a terrible friend? If you think, like, just our natural reaction is like, wait, if I tell my friend that says that they love me, that I'm sick, or somebody that I love is sick, and I know that this guy can heal, can heal my brother, and he just, like, takes his time? What what is going on here? And, And it says that Jesus did this. It's so hard to comprehend that Jesus did this because he loved them? 
like, I thought it was loving to, like, move forward with hurry to go heal something and, like, move forward with compassion. And Jesus' love looks different right here. Because he loved them, he stayed longer. He delayed. He was not on their time. Jesus did not honor their schedule. Right? Um, so I grew up, as I said, Puerto Rican, so I kind of have, like, these island vibes to me. Um, and what I know, there's this concept called island time. Anybody familiar with island time? So island time, island time is whenever you know the party. And if, you, if you don't practice island time, you have a friend that does. A party starts at 6. Island time, you're showing up 7.30, 7.45, right? So it's like, did Jesus grow up in the Dominican? I don't know. <laughs> there's this concept of being fashionably late. <laughs> I got an amen. Like, yes, Lord, yes, fashionably late. Jesus here is not fashionably late. Jesus here is functionally late. There's a reason for his lateness, right? There, there's a reason he's being delayed. We don't know the reason quite yet. We'll see here in a second. But, man, why? It just doesn't make sense. Everything in Scripture at this point doesn't make sense to why, when Jesus hears somebody was sick, why would he wait two days longer to move forward? There's something going on here, and I'm wondering if that thing going on has anything to do with his glory, as we talked about earlier, right? So with time, that's our schedule is one of our biggest expectations, right? Think about it. So I had yesterday, um, I had a full meeting day, right? I, had, I was going all day from 8 a.m. to like 6 p.m. full of meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting, right? And if you met with me yesterday, you, you know I did this to almost every meeting that I went to. I'm so sorry I'm late. I'm so sorry I'm late. I had this other thing going on. I had these two other meetings going on. And I, my, this, this perfect schedule, I had it perfectly aligned. Um, and it was not perfectly aligned with what reality was, right? I had this expectation that my day would just go beautifully, right? And there was a lot going on, but I would get to it, get to it, get to it. And what ended up happening was I was, like, late to every meeting that I was going to, but I didn't want to, but it made me disappointed and then frustrated and I'm apologizing, Right? For some of you, you feel that and you resonate with that. There's a daily schedule. There's also this life schedule that we want to be on, right? Like, all right, um, um, when, I'm, when I'm in high school, like, here's where I want to be. This is what I want to be doing. Here's my expectations. Okay. When I'm in college, here's what I'm going to be. This is my expectations. This is what I'm doing. Okay. When I graduate college, here's what I want to be. I'm going to have this job. I'm going to be with this person. I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to have this skill. I'm going to be published in this magazine, some of you. Um, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be this YouTube star, I'm going to be, you know, there's a lot of different things. By the time, for some of you, you're like, man, by the time I'm 30, sheesh, life's going to be incredible. Like, there's no way I'm living in Orlando. If I'm living in Orlando, it's Belle Isle, right? <laughs> there's no other way that there's, like, that's, that's the schedule that we have. And whenever God doesn't meet our schedule, right, it, not unmet expectations, leads to disappointment, which leads to frustration. And as we think about just the schedule of our lives, we're like, man, God has not honored my schedule. And if I can be real honest, can I be, is this church, is this a place where we're going to be honest? It leads to disappointment, which leads to frustration. Right? So Jesus was functionally late. Um, unmet expectations leaves us disappointed, which leads to frustration. Um, so Jesus says, after he said this to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews, were, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Right? Um, so we read 
um, a few weeks ago, the Jews are just trying to kill Jesus at this point. I guess it's just real bad. He's trying not to die. Verse 9, Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not on him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I will go awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, um, man, um, okay, hold on. So what's going on? Okay, Jesus, wait, you want to go back to the town where they're trying to murder you? And by extension, murder me? Because I'm with you, one of your disciples? Hey, look, Jesus, look, if, he, um, if he's just falling asleep, um, he'll, he'll recover, he'll be fine. <laughs> right? The disciples are just doing every excuse not to die. Right? They don't, like, I don't want to, Jesus, I don't want you to die. Like, look, if he's just sleeping, like, he'll be fine, he'll recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant he was taking rest in sleep. Right? So Jesus now makes it real clear, right? Let me, let me make it real clear, Jesus is telling his disciples. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. Y'all doofuses, you're not getting it. <laughs> Lazarus is dead. He gone, okay? <laughs> In verse 15, and for your sake, disciples, for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there. Oof, why? Why did Jesus say that? Why was Jesus glad that he wasn't there? Here's why. So that you may believe. Jesus is basically saying, hey, look, I know what I'm Jesus, fully God, fully man, right? I know what I'm capable of. I know I've healed so many people up to this point in the narrative of you guys hanging out with me. And um, I know that if I was there, it's more than likely that I would have healed Lazarus if I was there. Um, But for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't so that you may believe. But now let us go to him. Right now's the time. So Jesus knew what he was capable of. He knew what he can. Te- he knew what he could do. And he's God. And he knew what was going on. And he chose not to. He chose to be late. Um, so and it's, and it, there's a lot of reasons why, or kind of a few reasons why. One of them is for the belief of the disciples. Right. So we say this all the time that belief is not an idea. Belief is not a thought. Belief is not a concept. Belief is action. You say what you think, but you act what you believe. So the reason that Jesus was functionally late was for his disciples to start taking action and continue taking consistent action towards Jesus. That's what we mean when we say believe. This word believe is going to come up again later. But belief is consistent trust and action toward Jesus. So verse 16, so Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. He may have been by himself on this one. <laughs> Right? You know that friend that just go, takes it a little too far? It's like a little, like, they just, like, cross the line all the time. They're like, yeah, let's go die. And people are like, can we maybe not? And even Jesus is like, I don't think we're dying on this one. <laughs> but I like, but he gets an E for effort. I like the zeal. I like the enthusiasm. But that's not what's going to happen here in the story. Right? Verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb Four days. So this is why four days is significant. Because in um, ancient Jewish culture, there was this thought that when a body died, the spirit would hover over the body for three days. And they would just kind of wait to see if the spirit was going to like re-enter the body, right? So they just kind of wait. By fourth day, there was no hope. He dead. He gone. Like there's, he's just done. So Jesus, the fact that it said that Jesus had been dead four days was like there is, like, it, it's, um, it's beyond hope for even the Jews, 
right, that believed that, um, that the spirit can kind of re-enter. This is the most hopeless of hopeless situations of Lazarus being dead four days. Verse 18, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Right, so this family is pretty prominent. So you have these Jews um, that are now coming to visit the family to comfort them because their brother, their brother had been dead. In verse 20, so when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary, her sister, they're different. Any sisters? And with any sisters in the room? And you know, if you have a sister or sibling, sometimes you're just different. You're just different than your sibling, right? So here's Martha's reaction. Martha heard that Jesus was coming, and here's what she did. Jesus is coming. Let me go meet him at the gate, right? I'm I'm going to him. What does Mary do? Mary um, is more, uh, remains seated in the house. So Martha's more like a type A personality, more productive, like, let's do this. I, under, I get it. Like, if I know Jesus is coming, um, regardless if I believe in him or not, like, I'm going to, well, I do, so I know I would. Um, I'm just going to go, and I'm going to meet him there. Um, I don't understand Mary. <laughs> I don't. Uh, but, but some of you, like, oh, yeah, they can come to me. Right? Just more free-spirited, more go with the flow. Like, he, I'm, I'm where he's going. I'll just wait till he gets here. Right? So Martha's more type A. Mary's more free-spirited, go with the flow. Verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, the type A sister, the, the get-it-done sister, the productive sister, said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mmm. Oof. Is right. Right? And now, as she's saying this... Um, um, in, in my research, and as best as I can understand the text, she's not saying this like in a, like a, a mean-spirited way. She's not trying to be vindictive. She's not trying to be biting. She's not trying to be like, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother. And like, she's not trying to give like, all this sass. She's not trying to do that. She's merely stating a fact. That Jesus himself even kind of said earlier, he's like, yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. If I was there, um, Lazarus probably would not have died. So she's merely stating a fact here. He's saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. These are facts. Martha had expectations. She was being honest, right? Her expectations were, Jesus, I know you're capable of healing, and you didn't do it this time. She had expectations that Jesus would be there. That's why they sent the message that their brother was ill. She had an expectation, because Jesus loved them, that Jesus would come and heal her brother so he wouldn't die. And that expectation was not met which leads to disappointment, which leads to frustration, right? And I think a lot of us feel this, right? Lord, if you had just blank, then blank would not have happened. Lord, if you had just given me that relationship, then I wouldn't be lonely right now. Um, Lord, if you had just given me that job, then I wouldn't feel stuck in my career. Um, Lord, if you had just helped my parents more, I wouldn't be a mess right now. Lord, if you would have just, like, orchestrated my life, if I would have been, just had a different family, had a different relationship, had a different thing, if, I, if my life was different, if you would have come in, if you would have showed up, then I would not be in the mess that I'm in right now. Lord, if you had just met my expectations, I would be happy. She continues, verse 22, but even now, again, she's stating facts. She's not trying to be mean. She's just stating facts. So she continues stating facts. I love this fact. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you, right? So Martha may still be upset. She's working through her feelings, um, but she still knows truth. She's still confident in Jesus. 
And here's how Jesus responds. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again on the resurrection on the last day. So now Martha is Jewish, and there was Jewish belief, um, which still holds true to Christian belief, um, that on the last day, at the end of the world, everyone who believes in God will rise again. Right? There's, a, there's this resurrection is going to happen. So whenever Jesus said, hey, your brother's going to rise again, um, um, Martha's like, yeah, yes, I know, because I know that, because everyone's going to rise again. See, at first, um, Martha put her expectation in Jesus um, being there to heal her brother. Now she's putting her expectation in this um, future thing, this future event, right? I'm gonna get real, trying to be, get real clear. She's putting her expectation in this future event that she believes will happen. And here's how Jesus responds. I love this. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Right? Because she's saying he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said, I, yeah, look, I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, look, you're missing the point. The resurrection is not an event. The resurrection is a person. I'm the resurrection. Right? And I'm life. You're not going to find life in any sort of expectation you have. You're not going to find life in an event that you were promised, although it happens. Here's where, here's where uh, Martha was trying to find hope in life and happiness. First, in her expectation of Jesus healing Lazarus, and then in her expectation of an event. And here's how Jesus tries to, like, with all the love in the world, with clarity, with truth, saying, I am the resurrection and the life. Here's a big idea. Hope and happiness is found in Jesus, not in met expectations. Hope and happiness is found in Jesus, not in met expectations, right? Because expectations um, are very shaky, right? They're very shaky. You can't, it's, um, they, they, expectations happen or they don't happen, Right? Some of our expectations do happen, right? Martha's expectation of Lazarus being rose on the last day, that's going to happen. That did happen. Martha's expectation of Jesus coming in to heal him did not happen. So whenever we put our hope and our happiness and expectations, it's shaky, right? Um, so something kind of randomly specific about me is I like decorating. Like I like things to look good. I like things to look nice. And every office that I've been in since gosh, 2011, so going on 10 years, for a decade now, every office that I've been in, um, we have string lights, right? And if you've ever been in our young adult office, you know that we have string lights. So here's how I would normally um, set up string lights. I think we have, uh, my bad. So we have this. So here's what I would normally do to set up string lights in my office. Thank you, Thomas. Appreciate it, bro. I'm in my office, and I need to set up string lights. I'm 5'10". The ceiling is higher than 5'10". So what do I do? Should I? (laughs) Okay. And yet, so y'all like yelled at me to not put (laughs) my confidence in this chair to lift me up, and yet that's what it's like when we put our hope and our expectations. It's shaky. It may fall. My wife is so happy that I did not do this illustration. <laughs> it's shaky, right? 
here's the thing. It works. It kind of works sometimes. Like, <laughs> you, know, you know how many times I'm not doing this because, like, it's being recorded and I don't want to be liable for, like, workers' comp. And then it's like, Isaac, you were an idiot. You are not getting insurance if you fall. I've done this many times, right? I'm skilled. Actually, whenever, um, uh, when I was moving, so when my wife and I were dating, <laughs> when I, I do this at home too, uh, when I was dating, um, there was, um, again, I like decorating. I like to try experiment with a few things. There was like this fabric thing that I hung up on the wall, and it was time to move out. So whenever I was moving out, at this time my wife and I are dating, and like I get, like, get up on my bed frame like this and like this, and I'm like, like literally like this. Um, if you worked at Disney, I'm well outside my green zone. You're welcome, Disney fans. Okay, um, so I'm like, uh, I'm like this, trying to get it, and my my the, my girlfriend at the time is terrified that I'm gonna fall as I'm like, like trying to like get the, the fabric thing, and um, uh, and she's like, Isaac, you're gonna fall, and I was like, oh, I have a plan. You have a plan? Like, yeah, if I plant, if I fall, I'm just gonna tuck my shoulder and roll into the bed. <laughs> and for some of us, that's how well we've done at coping with our expectations. We have a plan, and if that plan doesn't work out, I'm going to go to the next plan, and 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 we're putting our hope in an uh, office swivel chair. <laughs> now, again, my wife is brilliant, so we, start, so we get married, and we're in our new place, and again, I'm like on the most random home furniture, trying to get up to the high places to do things, and this time my wife is like, hey... What if we got a step stool? Thank you. Thank you, Thomas. Hey, um, Isaac, I see you try to hang curtains. Let's just go to Home Depot and get a step stool. Um, I told my wife that I would go up slowly so I wouldn't fall on this either. <laughs> but imagine, I think you'll get the illustration. Look, <laughs> see, he's there. Okay, I'll go one down. Y'all, y'all, y'all get it. Look, this is so much better option for trying to reach high places when it's secure, right? Our hope and happiness is not found in a swivel chair, which is not an unmet expectations, which happen or don't happen, right? Our hope and our happiness is found in Jesus Christ, who's a person, right? Who's living, who's breathing, and who's moving, and who's guiding us, and who's king, and who is Lord, right? So we st- now we're thinking about our family situation, right? And we're thinking, man, um, my family's a mess. I'm not necessarily putting expectations on that my family's mess will be better, because it may or may not. But I'm going to put my faith and my hope and my trust in Jesus, and he's going to guide me as I'm trying to process this. Um, hey, I know, man, I really, I really don't want to be single. I really, really, really don't want to be single. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move forward um, trying to pursue dating in a healthy way. Um, we'll talk about dating more in the fall. Um, I'm going to, that was a spoiler for we're going to do a relationship series in the fall. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I'm going to put my, um, my hope and my trust as I'm processing my single life. Um, but, man, I'm just going to, I'm going to put my hope and my trust in Jesus. And I may end up with somebody I may not, but that's not where my hope and my happiness is found, right? And man, I'm, I'm doing my job trying to um, move forward in my career, and I'm going to network, and I'm going to do the things that I need to do, but ultimately I know that Jesus is good. 
and I'm going to believe in him, and I move forward in him. And as I move forward in him, I'm not going to put all my hope and my expectations. Can I be honest? Like, look, I still have expectations. I do. And I still will get um, a little disappointed, and I'm going to get a little frustrated because I'm a human being. That's normal. But ultimately, I know that my true happiness and my hope is not in unmet expectations or met expectations. It's in Jesus. Right? love how Mary Martha responds, right, where she says, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, oh, oh, um, she said to him, um, verse 27, she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Martha puts her hope in Jesus, right? Now, Jesus has a different conversation with Mary. Um, there's a lot of, um, again, Mary is more free-spirited, um, kind of go with the flow. It's a really amazing conversation. Even Jesus himself has emotions where he gets angry um, and then he gets sad. Um, but we'll pick it up in verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. 39, Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor for he has been dead four days, right? Again, facts. If someone's been dead four days, right? Look, some of you don't even want to open the door after the bathroom. Too much? <laughs> He's been dead four days. It's going to stink. She's just stating facts. Hey, look, I, I, so here's Martha, again, being honest. She has her hope. She has her hope in Jesus. She does. She puts her trust in Jesus. That's where happiness and hope comes from. And she still names the reality of some of the expectation of of, of life, right? Hey, Jesus, you sure you want to do that? It's going to stink, right? She's being real. I love Martha. She's being very honest. Um, where Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Hey, Martha, did I not tell you that if you put your happiness and your hope in me and then take forward an action and belief, that's where the glory of God will be revealed to you and the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in your life and this awe and this wonder of who I am, you can fully experience that? Did I not tell you that? Verse 41, so they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me and I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around me that they may believe that you had sent me. Right? Jesus is praying with an audience. He's mindful that he's praying with an audience. So here's what he prayed, right? He prayed that they may believe that the Father had sent him. Verse 43, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus. That was not loud. Let me do it again. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Right? This miracle of the resurrection of Lazarus, right? It's kind of a bummer because now Lazarus has to die twice. He's like, I've already gone through this, no! Um, this miracle, this sign, this resurrection um, of Lazarus, um, uh, David Branch talked about this a few weeks ago, what signs are. Signs point to Jesus. 
the sign is not about a sign. The resurrection of Lazarus was not about the resurrection of Lazarus. It was about the glory of God. Jesus exceeded their expectations. They just wanted um, Lazarus to not die. And Jesus, because he was already sick. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. He's healed. This is awesome. He, Jesus exceeded their expectations. We don't put hope in our expectations. We put our hope in Jesus. Our expectations will be met, will be unmet. But we know that ultimately, if we just put our hope and our happiness um, in Jesus, it's going to be incredible. Um, so for me, um, as we're wrapping up, uh, my, I want to talk about my last week. So um, if, I, if I saw you last week and you asked me, like, hey, Isaac, how's, how's it going? Um, what I said was, it's incredible. It's amazing. And here's what I meant by that. My week was incredible and it was amazing, right? I just, I loved my last week. And there was really nothing incredibly special about my last week. I just, I love feeling good, right? I just love being in a good mood. I love laughing. I love making people laugh. I just love being in a good mood. But I know um, my wife and I have this uh, family axiom that we, um, it's called setting up ourselves for success. So we do the work that we need to do to set up our week. So we like meal prep and, um, you know, we do target pickup orders and we set up our weekly week and we, and we, and we coordinate. Okay, you have this meeting, this meeting. Okay, um, hey, let, we're meeting with this person on this day. Um, okay, uh, cool. Let's, we have nothing on the weekend. Um, okay, so let's go to Disney. That sounds really fun. You want to do that? Yeah, okay. Let's go, you know, visit your parents. Um, let's see your new nephew. Like, it was just a really, really good week. And as I'm doing this week, this, this setting up ourselves for success, this, this rhythm that we had set up, I just felt really good. Like, everything that I went to was just feeling good, high-fiving, elbowing people, like fist-bumping people. I just felt really good. I guess so this week, my week's the same. We set up ourselves for success. We did the exact same thing. And um, yesterday, I was just moody. And I'm, like, angry, and I'm flustered and I'm disappointed, and I'm just like um, scattered. I just felt really scattered yesterday, and even for a lot of the day today, I just felt really like scattered and just kind of like, ah, my, I just, I'm, I'm not feeling good. And I hate not feeling good. I love feeling good. I love just being in a good mood. And like the last couple of days, just not really being like in the best mood and the greatest mood. Um, and then I'm prepping for this message, um, and I feel so convicted. Here's why I feel convicted. Because my, my, my happiness and my hope was set up in my expectation that I could set up my weekly rhythm really well. And whenever that's not working, then I just get real down. And then I get like down on being down, right? So as I was prepping um, and just praying through this, um, for me and for all of us, is that we don't put our happiness and our hope in a single expectation. That we put our happiness and our hope in Jesus Christ, in Christ alone. So we have a few response questions and we're gonna sing. Um, so here are some response questions that are just gonna help us start processing this. Like what does it mean to not put our hope and happiness in an expectation to put our hope and our happiness in Jesus? So here are some response questions. Question number one, um, what are you expecting? And if you say nothing, you're lying. What are you expecting, right? What are you expecting at work? What are you expecting at school? What are you expecting in relationships? What are you expecting in your life? What are you expecting tomorrow? Just, you can really write anything. Just what, what are you expecting, right? What's coming up? Um, what's coming up that, that you're expecting? Number two, what happens if it doesn't happen? How will you feel, how you respond if it doesn't happen? If this thing that we're expecting doesn't happen, um, what happens if it doesn't happen? Number three, 
what does your next step closer to Jesus look like if it happens? And what's your next step if it doesn't? What's your next step closer to Jesus if, if your expectation gets met? But also, what's your next step closer to Jesus if your expectation does not get met? Right? Because we know we're not putting our expectations in a swivel chair. We're not putting our happiness and hope in a swivel chair where expectations get met and not met. We're putting our happiness and our hope in Jesus. So knowing that as we do this, knowing that as we're planning our lives, which planning our life is good, but it's good to have knowing how we're going to respond if things happen, but also knowing how we're going to respond if things don't happen. And what does focusing on Jesus look like in that? So I've asked the band just to play for about 60 seconds. So you can pull out your phone. If you have a journal, you can pull out your journal and just start processing and answering some of these questions for about 60 seconds, 90 seconds. Um, and then after that, um, Justin's going to keep leading us um, and the team's going to keep leading us in song. Um, but let me pray for us. Father, just thank you so much for who you are. God, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you're on your time and not our time for your glory and for our good. And God, we just love you so much and we're so grateful that you love us and sent your son Jesus to do signs and wonders and miracles that point back to glorify you. And I pray that as we look at our life, that the good things and the bad things we can see as signs that point to you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.